All right, here's the long and the short of it. I wasn't a fan of the Parkers. I thought Monique's voice was really aggravating. Her voice didn't count as Vaughn's voice for that matter, but we're talking about Monique because, hey, that's who's in the news right now. I really wasn't a fan of Precious either. I hated Monique's role in that. I just did not like that portrayal, you know, of of black folks, of, you know, a single black mother and an, an abusive mother and just the, the adversity that... Um, the character Precious uh, had to deal with in that movie. wasn't a fan of it. All things considered, I'm really not a fan of Monique's work. With one very notable exception. Monique is absolutely right to challenge Netflix about pay equity for black women. And based on her accomplishments, she has a right to negotiate what she deems to be fair. Now, how is it that I can say I'm not a fan of Monique's career Yet say she has a right to challenge Netflix and anyone else whom would disrespect her career and disrespect her by not paying her what she's worth. Really, it's very simple. I believe in black ideas and black politics more than I believe in black celebrities. My name is Ken Macon and you're listening to Making a Difference. So glad to have you with us on this episode of Making a Difference. As previously stated, I am Ken Macon. Grateful, grateful for you, the listener. Grateful for sponsors. Just grateful for everybody who's a part of the Making a Difference experience. Just want to encourage you, if you like the podcast, if you love the podcast, please, please, please like it. Share it on social media. Let people know what's going on here in terms of black media. Let people know what's going on in terms of a local voice. I know some of you all are listening, uh, maybe outside of the uh, Augusta area. Nevertheless, share it. If you believe in it, share it. The way the media is set up, particularly the way the social media is set up, this is, you know, the the plea to really get the message out. And it really depends so much on, you know, the listener and so many of you all who are on social media. And, and a lot of you, you know, do take heed to that message. And I am eternally grateful for that. As I started out the podcast with, I really want to talk about uh, not so much Monique, even though, you know, Monique is, is the ex- uh, current example I would like to use. But the idea that black politics and black ideas trump black celebrities, I think that is so important. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I am not a fan of Monique's work. But what happens on social media is, is that, you know, we lose the message because of how we feel about the messenger. And we can't do that, especially for something as relevant as you know, black politics for something as relevant as uh, pay equity. And this is something that, you know, making a difference talks a lot about wealth disparities. You know, we talk about it in terms of, you know, laymen, in terms of everyday folks like you and I. And, you know, when we hear Monique talking about it, you know, some people may say, well, you know, these are first world problems. Certainly, you know, she's trying to negotiate more than five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, for a lot of us, when we hear 500k we're like man if you don't go on somewhere and take this money and i get that and i can really appreciate that but the art of negotiating as we all know and what a person deserves or doesn't deserve really it, it is a 
at all times, it's not so much what you're worth is what you can negotiate. And so when you talk about negotiating, it is a matter of, uh, you know, hey, to, to, to quote a famous movie, you know, all my life I had to fight. And so that's what a lot of us have to do. A lot of us have to deal with in terms of negotiations. And so that's that's really why I want to bring up this point in terms of Monique. If you haven't heard the news, actress and comedian Monique has called for a boycott against Netflix after accusing the service of gender and race based pay gaps. It reportedly offered Monique 500,000, as I mentioned, for a comedy special where Amy Schumer was offered 11 million, negotiated up to 13 million. And Dave Chappelle was offered 20 million. Now, you know, certainly I don't think Monique is worth, you know, what it is not worth in terms of when you look at um, resume, career, different things like that. You know, I, I would think that Dave Chappelle would be able to, you know, uh, demand and negotiate, you know, more money than Monique would. But I, when I look at 500, I mean, when you look at the the pay disparity there between half a million versus, you know, 10 million, 15 million, 20 million. Certainly there is there's an issue there that needs to be brought up. And really, when I when I hear about these situations, it really shows you, you know, who's um who who keeps it a buck, who keeps it real in Hollywood now and Hollywood and among celebrities. Now, I believe Tracy Ellis Ross, there was a certain uh, there was a similar dynamic when, you know, the, and that's Tracy Ellis Ross, who's on the show Blackish. And she brought up a similar concern and she was saying that, you know, she was looking at, you know, a, a similar avenue in terms of saying, hey, you know, if you guys are going to pay me, you know, comparable to, you know, my coast uh, comparable to Anthony Anderson, then we got a problem here. And, you know, y'all can comment, confirm whether this is right or wrong. But I really didn't hear anything about Anthony Anderson, you know, really stepping up on her behalf and saying, hey, yeah, y'all need to pay her. And I think that's very telling in terms of people looking out for each other. You know, we 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 want to claim that, you know, this person is down such and such as, you know, they cool and, and this and that. But very rarely will you have a celebrity where you have a person who you know, is, is, is doing well to really, you know, step out and say, you know what, I got your back. And the most, one of the more recent and profound examples of that, that I've seen actually involves ESPN. And I know a lot of you now know the name Jamel Hill. Y'all know of Jamel Hill and some of the things that she had to say on her Twitter about Donald Trump. Now, if you don't know who Jamel is, Jamel Hill is, uh, she's a young lady who works on ESPN, works on, um, does the six o'clock sports center. And she said some things about Trump and was actually suspended by the network for some of the things that she said about Trump. Now here's where, you know, the realness kicks in her co-host and keep in mind, Jamel Hill is black. Uh, the gentleman I'm about to talk about, Michael Smith is also black. ESPN was gonna, was basically said to Mike Smith, Hey, you know, we're going to keep the party rolling. Uh, we're going to, you know, you can keep your slide at six. Uh, we can get you another co-host and y'all can keep it rolling. Mike was like, nah, man, I'm not doing this show without Jamel. Now, keep in mind. That could have gone a whole lot of different ways. That could have gone, you know, the way of both Jamel and Michael uh, and Michael Smith being demoted from that six, that 6 p.m. slot. That could have led to them losing their jobs. Which, I mean, again, anytime you lose your job, I know we think, well, man, it's a, it's a celebrity. They got money. We don't know what these people's situations are. What we do know is, is that when you lose your job, you're losing a piece of your livelihood. And what we do know is that when you're losing your job, 
Like that's, I mean, that's, that's major. So for Michael Smith to put his neck out on the line like that for Jamel Hill really says something to me about him as an individual, but it also speaks to like this, this idea that we have of, of keeping it real and, you know, what's really going out going on out here in, in Hollywood when you have people who are dealing with some of the same issues on a grander scale, granted, but they're still dealing with some of the issues that we deal with, you know, every day we deal with, you know, not only wealth disparities in terms of race, but we also deal with, you know, uh, racial conflicts at work. And it's important for us to be mindful of these things, you know, when we have these conversations. Now, social media is a very interesting place because there there are certain dynamics that happen in that social media bubble. And, and it is a bubble no matter, you know, how many folks, you know, take social media as real life. It, it, it is a bubble. And a lot of what can what happens on social media is is people start riding these waves. And you get this mob mentality where one person doesn't like Monique or a couple of or a few people don't like Monique. And all of a sudden it's OK, let's throw her under the bus and let's make jokes out of this situation, which I get. You know, people, you know, social media now is about, hey, let me get my likes up. You know, let me get let me get these laughs. Let me, you know, try to find some type of relevance on, on social media without really understanding like the ramifications of the things that you're saying. and you know, that's that's another episode entirely when we talk about, you know, the effects of, of social media on just uh, African-American on on black culture and what it means for things. Even, I mean, for other profound issues such as relationships, you know, how black men and black women see each other as a result of social media, as a result of black men ain't this black women ain't that is a whole nother episode, <laughs> you know, that speaks for itself. But in the meantime, the point I want to focus on today is, again, black ideas being worth more and being more important in black politics, being more important than black celebrities. Now, one thing I want to do is I want to break down Monique's situation very seriously and very specifically because Monique has called for a boycott of Netflix. And here's the issue with boycotting. There, there's power in boycotting. There's power in the idea of boycotting because and the long and the short of it is this corporations and government has shown us black folks over an extended period of time that they care more about the dollar than they do about us as human beings. It's the ugly truth. So when and, and it's and it's sad to think of the idea that, hey, you know, these folks care more about money than they care about us, but they show us every day. That's the deal. So. When you have a concerted effort to say, you know what, we're going to hold you accountable through economics. I think that's an excellent idea. And it is an idea that you cannot dismiss just because you don't like the individual. And. When we talk about the idea, the idea of boycotting, and I understand the cynicism that people have because of because we, we throw the word around so loosely. But and, and this is where I really want to challenge people including Monique, to understand that when you say boycott, when you say, okay, this is what we're going to do because this um, organization or this entity is not do is not being accountable, is not doing the right thing, is not being ethical, then understand what that can mean, what that should mean is, okay, if we're going to talk about Netflix, we got to talk about all these other folks. We got to say, okay, what's being done in 
what practices are going on in the entertainment industry, because this is not just happening with Netflix. This is happening throughout the industry. So let's call everybody to the carpet. And this is why, again, it's so important to address the ideas. It's, it's important to look at ideologies as opposed to looking at these folks or look, looking at black celebrities. So, OK, let's talk about the idea of boycotting for a minute. What does that look like? What does that mean? And beyond that. Here's here's where I think we as everyday folks get lost in the idea of boycotting is we don't mind boycotting as long as it's something that we don't like or that we're indifferent toward. I saw this with the NFL this year and folks said, well, you know, I'm, I'm boycotting it because my team sucks anyway. Or, man, I psh, tell you the truth, man, my team just lost a 28-3 lead. So, I, man, I ain't fooling them boys this year, man. You know what I mean? Stuff like that <laughs> instead of looking at the actual content of, OK, this is what a boycott looks like, you know, looking at the you know, the, the morality, the strength of, you know, what, 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 or why, and what are we doing with this boycott? And so, and the, and the reason why we do that is begin again, you know, our, our personal interests, these things really trump the idea of social justice. And speaking from my, and speaking as an individual, I understand, and I respect, you know, people's preferences and Hey, you like what you like. And I saw a similar dynamic with H&M when I heard about, you know, the coolest monk, uh, monkey in the jungle, uh, monkey in the jungle deal. First thing, first thing I said was, man, I don't, I mean, first of all, I don't shop there anyway, but beyond that is there, there are some things that are just so blatantly wrong. Like I, I, I honestly didn't understand why there was so much, um, what's the word ambivalence with the H&M controversy, because to me, if you have a clear understanding of the hist um, the history of black people being called animals in this country, then clearly you understand why people were rightfully insulted by that. And again, it's an issue of holding folks accountable. Wealth disparities, wealth disparities are a major issue in this country when you look at the haves and the have nots and how a lot of that breaks down in terms of racial demographics. When Monique throws this idea of boycotting out there, you know, let's let's analyze it, not just in terms of who Monique is as an individual, but looking at, OK, well, Monique, Wanda Sykes, these folks out here who, again, we have known who have paid their dues in the entertainment industry for years. And then you have, you know, these like fly by night celebrities or fly by night folks like Amy Schumer who what did the train wreck movie and now she's getting 10 15 million monique has the right to be hostile i'm gonna make one more point and then i'm gonna go to commercial because i, I really want to expound on this idea of, of, of black celebrity and how we allow so much of it so much of it to dictate uh, social policy in the black community because we allow individuals who and i mean and again this is my opinion we allow individuals who are who really set like a low bar to define like such strong black ideals. And I just feel like we can do so much better. But I was I was talking to somebody and they were saying, you know, I don't like Monique. You know, she, uh, she's loud. She's, you know, boisterous. And why do you know, why, why is it that, you know, black comedians feel like they have to holler? And so my immediate response was, why does why does the preacher feel like they have to holler? 
Or why does your preacher feel like they have to, you know, say, ah, my Lord. Ah. Why is that? And so when you look at things that way, it's like, but hey, the preacher is universally loved. The preacher is, you know, universally respected. And I'm not saying that Monique should. It, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a different genre, but the presentation is very similar. And so to me, it's, it's just it, it underscores the importance of the power of. And hey, this is something else that said in the church that, you know, the message is more important than the messenger and the message that we have here is look racial we have to fight racial disparities at every turn we have to fight racial disparities in terms of pay we have to fight racial disparities in terms of uh, respect we have to fight you know uh, gender disparities these are things that are vitally important these are things that are relevant uh, these are things that we have to address as a community and we have to do them in a way that is responsible and that holds uh, the guilty parties accountable. We're going to talk about this uh, much more after the break. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists, Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College. Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Tax problems giving you the blues. Tax liens, levies, garnishments, unfiled tax returns, denied a passport because you owe back taxes. I'm Jesse Willard with your locally owned H&R Block in Hepsiburg. We have over 25 years of experience in representing clients with tax problems, and we can help you to jazz up your life. Contact us at 706-305-1412 to schedule your free consultation. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. You probably thought they only do port trailings and iron doors, but at AAA Iron and Fabrication, they do a whole lot more. They do grills, that's right. They fabricate custom grills for your cookout needs. They forge team-specific iron doors, meaning that you can show support for the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, or whichever team you love. Of course, they do a top-notch job with the services you are familiar with. They can make your porch look like new with hundreds of styles of railings. And they also provide security and style with window bars. AAA Iron and Fabrication is located at 2517 Deansbridge Road. They've been in business for decades and they take pride in serving the Augusta community and surrounding areas. AAA Iron and Fabrication, they are ready to work for you. AAA Iron and Fabrication, 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Tell them you heard this ad on Making a Difference and you'll get 15% off your order. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Mack, and we're talking about Black ideas and black politics trumping black celebrities. And 
what I think we do in terms of social media policy and policy in terms of and when I say policy, social policy, I mean, you know, how we allow how we receive people in, you know, our, our perception of individuals and, and what they mean and, you know, how much we follow these folks up. Uh, I, I want to talk about this briefly, but I, I really want to do a video log on this at some point in terms of just black celebrities and, and whom we put, you know, at, at the top of that pedestal. Uh, we put Oprah, Oprah pretty high. We put Oprah so high that she did a speech and now we want to be president. You know, I see this a lot with folks like Diddy. You know, I see this with LeVar Ball. And again, I really want to expound on these, on these ideas. I'm not going to do it in, in this particular podcast, but I think I'm going to say some things that, you know, you may want to rewind some things that may get your attention, some things that may be controversial. But I, I, I let me do this first. I want to um, let me just uh, wrap up this money thing in short. And say this simply, Monique's call for a boycott of Netflix might be controversial, but the ideas that she's challenging and the fight that she is waging is not. It is a disservice to black female comedians and black female actresses to be paid significantly less. And it shows that virtually in all walks of life, African-Americans, black folks, descendants of slaves have to deal with this type of adversity. It's like we can't get away from it. It's, you know, okay, you make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year. You're still having to deal with race-based disparities. It's ridiculous. And I salute Monique, if not for her acting career, for, you know, some of the things she said as a comedian, I respect her for speaking truth to power on this particular issue. Now I'm going to close out this podcast by you know, talking about this idea of black celebrity and what it means to me as I, you know, look at Hollywood with a discerning eye and I get it. You know, the the first thing and I, the most profound thing for me when I look at celebrities on the whole is whom Hollywood allows to sit at the table, whom Hollywood allows the opportunity to speak to issues and when they speak to issues, what they're speaking to and whom they're representing. And I'm going to start with Oprah because I believe that's the most important. I think Oprah is uh, the most identifiable and, you know, people really don't see her as controversial. Now, my concern with Oprah is with uh, Oprah's influence, with Oprah's power, with, you know, Oprah's wealth. She doesn't speak to she she's presented as, you know, somebody who, you know, is a is a role model or is an example for black folks, but she doesn't speak to black issues. When uh, she had the opportunity to speak at the Golden at the was it the Golden Globes or Screen Actors Guild? I, I forget which I think it was the Golden Globes. She mentions, you know, Reese Taylor and she talks about the Me Too movement. But what I felt happened in that moment was Oprah and, and Oprah does this on a regular basis, in my opinion, she allowed herself to be used and Reese Taylor, uh, her legacy uh, and the, the sadness of that legacy ended up being co-opted by a largely white movement. You know, I'm looking at the room in the Golden Globes and it's like, OK, well, we're we're here in protest. And what we're going to do because we're in protest, we're going to wear black. And the the imagery, the imagery of that. And this is a, a saying that I often have. Everybody wants to be black, but everybody doesn't want to be black. Hollywood doesn't mind co-opting blackness. 
you know, when it when it looks cool or when it's supposed to be radical or when it's, you know, supposed to be edgy. But when it comes to the state of African-Americans, when it comes to, you know, the the struggles and adversities that we have to deal with, like Hollywood don't want to have anything to do with that. And so that takes me back to, you know, whom or who Hollywood allows to sit at the table, who who Hollywood allows to stand up to the mic. It's like, OK, you can. You can say some things, but some of that stuff you can't say or, or you're not coming back up here, you know, to speak um, at the Golden Globes. You're not coming up here to, to speak in front of these folks. Now, I want to transition from talking about Oprah. And like I said, I already know how y'all, what y'all going to say about Oprah. No, man, you know, Oprah's got a talk show. She's a great businesswoman. And I'm, I'm going to go back to a previous post that I a previous commentary that I made on the Making Difference Facebook page. If you aren't on there, then you should get that in your life immediately post haste. But. You know, Oprah sold um, the the own network to Discovery. She sold it. She sold uh, the majority ownership to Discovery <clears throat> for, I believe, it was seventy million dollars. Now, the first thing I said was, "Man, I'm thinking Oprah's paid. Like, what is what's seventy million dollars to Oprah?" And so people made so many excuses. But the concern that I have, and the concern that I that I still have, because I do have a an understanding, a passion, and awareness of the importance of black media, and for Oprah to have a majority stake in that network. And the like the entertainment value, because, I, again, I don't I don't really get into owning that that genre of, of entertainment. But understanding that, you know, in virtually the same period of time in which Roland Martin, you know, uh, lost his show and, you know, was was bounced from. Uh, I don't know if he was bounced from the network, but I, I know that the show uh, was bring, being brought to an end. And understanding the the difficulty that we have in getting positive uh, images of black folks out in the open, especially in that, that media format for a black mogul to just sell her network for, to sell majority ownership in her network for, I mean, in that, in that game for chump change was very, was very alarming. And it really, to me just spoke to like, where like, who is Oprah here for? Like, what is, what is Oprah's mindset? And then, so, you know, people say, well, you know, Oprah is raising all this scholarship money. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, all right, let's say you, um, you go to HBCU on Oprah scholarship money and you want to be a journalist. Okay. So you graduate and then, okay, you graduate and you get out to the real world. Like, okay. So where are you going? You're going to most of the white newsroom or you, you know, you're going to uh, because this is the way black media is set up. It's it's fledged. It's a it's a, fled, it's a at this point, it's become like this fledgling entity. Why? Because there are no black media strongholds there. There there isn't a like a, a think tank or a place where we as black people go to the news. Most of us get our news from social media. How dangerous is that? And then how dangerous is it that we get our you know, we either get our, our information from social media or we're getting it from media outlets that see black folks as less than human that see black folks as well all they do is you know they they twerking they robbing they killing each other because this is what the media presents and you know i, I know i'm saying a lot of different things and in, in terms of oprah but I'll, I'll just say this simply is that for, for me, I believe with great power comes great responsibility and with great resources comes a great social responsibility. And, you know, I know there are some things where people say, well, you know, I think Oprah's fulfilled that obligation. 
But for me, I'm, I'm looking for something more in terms of understanding, first of all, because there is a lack in terms of black media, in terms of, OK, where can I go to uh, get to, first of all, to be informed before I'm entertained? And I understand the, the importance of entertainment, you know, and all of those good things. But where can I go to be informed? And the fact that there's somebody who has a network that, you know, basically just gave it up for for peanuts virtually got some serious concerns about you listen to making a difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. want to talk about uh, very shortly here, uh, Diddy, Sean Diddy Combs and LeVar Ball, because we've allowed Diddy to uh, be this uh, paragon of black entrepreneurship. And we've allowed LeVar Ball to become, you know, this shiny example of black fatherhood. And both are uh, lowered expectations. If you ask me, starting with Diddy, Diddy, who I've always felt like is a, has been a snake oil salesman and, you know, stepped up when uh, the Carolina Panthers um, owner, Jerry Richardson, had gotten in this trouble and was talking about who's going to sell the team. Did he step up and said, well, hey, I'm going to buy the Carolina Panthers. And a lot of folks got excited about that. I let me preface all of this by saying that I am a fan of the Carolina Panthers. I've been a fan of the Carolina Panthers practically since they practically since their inception in 1995 and will also say that I am not pleased with uh, NFL ownership because it, it lacks diversity. It, <laughs> there are no, uh, and see, you know, people say, well, there's no person of color. Look, it ain't no, ain't no black owners, man. That's what I care about. And I got a problem with that. So the idea of black majority ownership in the NFL is exciting. Diddy's not that dude. First of all, Diddy can't afford it. The Panthers or that franchise is worth two point three billion dollars. Diddy's net worth is seven hundred, eight hundred million or seven hundred, eight hundred million, something like that. So Diddy got to come up with uh, another two hundred million to start out with. And that's, again, assuming that all of Diddy's assets are, are liquid, which they're not. And so that's the first part of that. But the second part of that is. That's not a dude I want running the franchise. I don't want, you know, uh, the the shenanigans, the like, look, the, like, I don't want this this liquor salesman, you know, running, <laughs> running, running the franchise. One minute he's saying, you know, I want to start my own league. Then the next minute, you know, he wants to to buy buy a team. And so what I feel like the issue is with with Diddy is Diddy just wants the attention. Diddy wants he'll what what I see him doing. He did the same thing with the H and M situation is if there's a, a topic that, you know, elicits this type of activist energy, something that people really rally behind, like Diddy's there. But Diddy's not there so much for the legwork. Diddy's just there, you know, because he's an opportunist. And that's that's my concern with, you know, having somebody like that, you know, I'm not in all honesty, I'm not, I'm not worried about Diddy being the owner of the Carolina Panthers. Like that's I mean, that's a, such a pipe dream. But what it really shows me when I have those conversations with folks is they really don't understand the levels of wealth, uh, not only as it relates to celebrities, but just in everyday life, because they don't understand, hey, OK, Diddy's rich. These owners are super rich, are obscenely rich, and there's levels to it. Again, this is a, a lot of what we're talking about, you know, with Monique and understanding, you know, pay disparities. 
you know, people laugh at it because they say, well, man, Monique ain't worth that. Monique ain't even that funny. Okay. But there's still disparities that exist that are applicable to some of the things that we deal with in everyday life, which is why we got to talk about these issues profoundly. Going on from Diddy talking about LeVar, uh, let's talk about LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball is, (laughs) oh man, is a clown in short. But we allow, well, first of all, let's, let's just go through the timeline of LeVar Ball here very quickly. Because I rooted for LeVar Ball. I really did. When LeVar Ball said his son, uh, Lonzo, when he was at UCLA, he said he was better than Steph Curry. I laughed. I legitimately thought that was funny because at the time, what I saw was an individual who had a plan. You know, he said, okay, I got this big ball of brand. He did, you know, he, he did things in the, to me in the spirit of harmless fun to, to promote the brand. You know, and it, it could be passed off as, you know, just a, a father, you know, that's like any, you know, any dad's going to say that, you know, at the gym, his son may, you know, score 20 points in the game. Oh man, look, he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. He's going to, it was, it was all fun and games. When I started getting concerned about LeVar Ball, two things that happened. The first thing was when this dude sold $500 shoes and said that, and they, they came out with the video for the shoes and, you know, Lonzo starred in the video and they was talking about how, you know, the, you know, the, the, it's going to change the game. It's going to make the communities better. And the concern I had is, well, how in the world are you going to make the community better by selling $500 shoes? Now you have, again, when you understand wealth disparities and you understand what on average people can afford, people can't afford $500 shoes, man. You talking about like three, four, like three or four light bills, man. You talking about, you understand what I'm saying? Like $500 is not an amount of money that people can just throw around. But then to say, okay, well, you know, we're, we're doing this for the community. You know, this is going to change the game and to present yourself as an anti-establishment candidate when really, if you know anything about Chino Hills, if you know anything about just the, the wealth, the, the, the average median wealth in that community, you start to understand some things very quickly about LeVar Ball. I've compared LeVar Ball to Donald Trump. And when I say that, man, that really gets under people's skin. But you have to look at it. You know, you got these guys who are self-promoters, who come from money and who use their money to be bullies and to be intimidators. And if they don't get their way, they're the first ones to be like, hey, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. And so that's what you're getting right now with LeVar Ball. And he's got his two younger kids, you know, in Lithuania because, hey, that um, the NCAA don't want to. Don't want, you know, don't want to play ball with me. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to take my game. I'm going to take my game elsewhere. Now, understand what it takes to be able to do something like that. It's not so much being ballsy, no pun intended. It's a matter of having the capital to be able to do that, to have the capital say, you know what? I'm basically just going to buy this team out, you know, this Lithuanian League team and I'm going to sell it as. You know, like this anti-establishment move. Yeah, I'm sticking it to the man. No, he's not. He's just trying to line his pockets. But a lot of the brothers going for it because, hey, he takes care of his kids. He's doing right by his kids. Man, he's getting his kids paid. And it's that low bar 
that low standard of black fatherhood. Never mind the fact that this kid is putting in, well, excuse me, LeVar Ball's putting an inordinate amount of pressure on his son to succeed because of his antics. What father wants to put more pressure on his son? Negative pressure. Not only that, but for me as a person who cares deeply about the community and really, really dislike charlatans. And I and I get that that whole I get that charlatan vibe off of LeVar Ball and off of Diddy because they'll present themselves as guys who's like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a radical. I'm anti-establishment. I want to shake things up. But really, they're capitalist and activist clothing. It's dangerous. And again, it's important to have a discerning eye when you look at uh, black celebrities. And I think the the way that you're able to do that is, is that you have to be mindful of, of your politics. You have to be mindful of ideas and you have to let ideas and you have to let politics be more important than your favorite rapper or your favorite actor or actress. You have to look at, okay, what's fair? What's, what will be, what's something that's acceptable. And if you even have, if you have to do this, Put yourself in that person's shoes for a minute. Say, okay, if it's me in that situation, what would I want? Or better yet, just put it like this. Okay, let's say take Monique's situation and you're trying to negotiate a raise at work or you're trying to negotiate better pay at work or maybe your best friend's trying to negotiate pay. How would you want to see that situation come out? Would you want your coworkers to ridicule you for trying to make a better life for your family, um, you know, your family or the people around you? Or would you want to see people stand up for you and rally around you with the understanding that it's not just about you. It's about the next person that walks in trying to get that same opportunity. That's where the paradigm shift has to come in. We really got to get back to community. It can't just be about, okay, what this man over here getting, what that the next man over there getting. Um, And it goes back to an idea that I just, I I really love talking about, man. It's like, we got to get, we got to get outside of this, like, What's better than one billionaire two idea, man? Like we really got to get to the idea where we're saying, okay, we have to start rebuilding our communities in a profound way. Not only in terms of economics, but in terms of how we communicate with each other, in terms of how we treat each other socially. You know, we, we, we throw these terms around like brothers and sisters, but how many of do we really treat each other like brothers and sisters? Do we really have that mutual respect for one another? Like, what does that look like in our communities and and that's really what i'm after in terms of making a difference i hope you guys enjoyed this episode like it love it hate it i really want to hear from you guys on this particular episode i'm going to post this on facebook comment to your heart's desire comment on the making uh making a difference page again share it with friends agree disagree I'm here for all of it. I love the dialogues on social media. First of all, it lets me know that you're listening. It lets the sponsors know that you guys are listening. And what it does is I, these type of conversations are important to have, especially conversations where it's like it's, it's not about the mob mentality. You know, it's not everybody on there being like, you know, I agree. I agree. Some people say, hey, man, I don't necessarily agree with that. Let me know. We can have the discussion. We'll go from there. You know, we can um we can have we can have discourse. And, you know, we don't always have to have the discord to go with it or excuse me, we can you know, we can have discourse and there may be a little discord, but maybe something that at the end of the day, you know, we we still have mutual respect for one another. That's that's my goal. Um, And that to me is something that we're 
it really allows us to truly in our communities make a difference. My name is Ken Macon. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. All right, so the episode just ended and you're mad. MAD making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond. Social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show and you can keep up with social commentaries. You can also know when the podcasts are coming out. You can also know when our video laws are coming out. And that's the way you can keep up with that is facebook.com backslash making a difference show. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is difference making. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E making M-A-K-I-N. If you want to follow the SoundCloud podcast, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. If you're interested in advertising with making a difference, you can shoot an email to making M-A-K-I-N a difference show at gmail.com. That's making a difference show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.